What's up, y'all? Welcome to What the Freak, the most underrated podcast on the internet. Uh, that's just a tagline my friend <laughs> gave me the other day, and I kind of liked it. So um, I am super excited for today's guest. Um, it's actually my bro. And when I say my bro, I mean, like, actually my bro, who I grew up in the same house with, um, Nick Curry. Welcome to the podcast. Yo, bro. <laughs> What's up, dude? Um, yeah, it's great having you on here. Um, for those that don't know you, maybe just give a brief uh, synopsis of who you are, what you do, what you're into, that kind of thing. Yeah, who I am. Wow, going straight to the deep stuff. I, I mean, was, oh, you um, know me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm Nathan's biological brother. Uh, grew up in Arizona and went through life. Uh, at some point, started running. Uh, I, that's one of the more notable things that happened lately is uh, I've been running for 20 or so years. I've been doing ultra marathons for 16 years. And just a month ago, I broke the American 24-hour record with 173 miles. So I suppose that will now become one of the things I'm known for, <laughs> uh, for, for better, for worse, or whatever. Uh, besides that, I, I, I don't know. I try to do all kinds of things. I'm a software developer at Google, so that stretches a lot of the, the other sides of me. Uh, and then, I don't know, I love cooking, I love traveling, I love exploring and adventuring and everything in between. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that's wild. So, so an, you're an American record holder. Yeah. Like, has that, has that landed for you yet? Or like, what is that? What does that mean to you? I, I keep trying. I'm trying to force it. Like it, it doesn't land still. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, I, I've told this to many people, like, you know, I think back to, you know, us running in high school and it's like, we ran it a mediocre high school, you know, in terms of like the cross country team, say, uh, in a mediocre state. Uh, and I don't know, like we could make the varsity team with some hard work, but that's not really saying much. And, you know, you get into ultras and the number of people competing gets lower. So you start being able to win some races, especially local ones. You know, I, I kept trying to get better and better and I start to place nationally, but you compare me to the best in the world. And it's like not even a contest. And that's one reason I actually like running really big competitive races is it reminds me like where I actually stand. You know, it's mm -hmm. one thing on a day that no one shows up to go and win a race and then people congratulate you, you know, and it feels good. But, you know, at the same time, you know, take, I don't know, Jim Walmsley at the 50 mile who's run four hours and 50 minutes. And my best is almost an hour slower than that. So you think you're in this race and he's sitting around waiting for an hour and then I come in, you know? So it's like, I'm good in some sense uh, enough that people could be like, oh, you know, give yourself credit, Nick. Uh, but on the flip side, like I'm still not in the ballpark of like the greatest in the world, uh, which not that that's what we need to rate ourselves against, nor do I try to do that. But I never really saw myself as someone who could break a record, especially like any kind of overall record. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember like when we were growing up and really getting into running, you know, we were studying the grades and, you know, we'd look at, you know, different race results and records. And it's like, you know, I remember us, we'd like look at things like American records or world records and be like, wow, like those are amazing performances. Like, how did they do that? Like, what was their training? What was their mindset? Like, how did they 
you know, get to that point. And, and that's wild that like, that's like the level that you're at now, like you, you achieve that. Um, and, you know, I definitely appreciate like the, just like the honesty of your process of like your relationship with breaking that record um, and kind of seeing both sides of it. Um, I think I did see, so, so are you now in the, the top 10 all time 24 hour um, like records? So th- this was a kind of a running joke during the race and after it among the discussions that were happening because uh, I am the seventh best all-time 24-hour runner, mm. but I am not anywhere near the top 10 performances <laughs> because you, you look at like the top 20 list and it's like 18 of them or 17 of them are Giannis Kuros. <laughs> Yeah, who, who, by the way, uh, uh, stayed at our house for a week back in, God, what year was that? 2005 to 2006. Jeez. Wow. That's yeah. wow. And, and that was like when we were just running this race called Across the Years, which then Aravipa, uh not too long after that, ended up taking over that race. And, and now it's like, you know, the premier six-day race in the world, kind of, right? Like, that's, it's like one of the only ongoing six-day slash, do you do the 10-day regularly, too? It's now regular. Like, it was only added a couple years ago, but it's now one of the only 10-day races that occurs in the world. And, yeah, it's fun. I've told this story a couple times now recently because people ask how I got into ultras, and it's just so fun to tell because you were there. (laughs) And, you know, back in 2005, it's like you and I were both in high school, uh, and Jamil had, you know, gone on to ASU, Arizona State, and none of us were good enough for a, a college, like D1 college team. And so he just got into the local road racing scene, built up, did a marathon, got to know some people, got hooked into like the little tiny, like couple dozen underground trail ultra runners in Phoenix at the time. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday morning running club. Yeah, Wednesday morning running <laughs> club. In contrast to now where there's so many, there were just not many and the internet didn't really have much information. I don't think you could find it. So it was like hard to you. It's like word of mouth. And so he got plugged in and somehow like saw on a race calendar this 12 hour free night run and was like, hey, you guys want to do it? And I like I just remember is like, I don't know, it's like a sleepover and you get to run, which we're runners. So like <laughs> that sounds fun, kind of like an all night party. And then you invited your uh, Matt and John, your two friends that were also on the cross country team. And like we went out there and like sprinted for an hour and then got tired. So we jogged for an hour and then we sprinted again. And then we sat around and ate pretzels and drink Gatorade because <laughs> that was what it was at the table. And then there was the guy, Mark Henderson, who was a NASA engineer from Texas, who was leading the race, running in nothing but Napoleon Dynamite boxers. <laughs> and then there was someone else, like, you know, some old runner who kept telling us the same story every hour over and over again because he forgot that he told us the same story. And it was just, like, totally bizarre and totally, like, I don't know, somehow it connected with us. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this is super weird, but I love this. And I, I can't, like, we need to do more of this. And then... Yeah, we did a like we did fifty-ish miles in twelve hours, and then found out you get a hundred mile or you got a buckle for a hundred miles in twenty-four hours. So four months later, we do across the years twenty-four hours, and think, oh, we could totally do that again. And I know I made the biggest improvement over my twelve-hour distance, and I did twenty extra miles with the additional twelve hours. <laughs> and both of you did even less additional miles. So oh yeah, totally had no idea. But yeah, it, that was when. Uh, 
you heard from Arizona Road Racers that Giannis Kuros or this guy, this international runner, needed somewhere to stay, and you asked if we could do it, and then we learned who this guy was. He's like the greatest ultra runner that's ever lived and held every world record from 12 hours to 1,000 miles. And yeah, that was a pretty fast introduction to the sport for us. Yeah, nothing like having the best in the world just like hang out at at your house with your family for a week and have your mom cook him Lebanese food and um, just like have him just like walking down the the block trying to recover from his extraordinary effort that he put in the race. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to hear a little more. So there's a couple of topics I really want to touch on on the run. Um, and then maybe we can go somewhere else after that. But two, two topics that I find interesting. Uh, one of them is actually, I was actually curious and I went to, to letsrun.com to try and see if there was anything posted about it. The only thing I could find was one message board thread with like eight messages on it. And, and basically the person, whoever started it was like, this is ridiculous that this has no coverage. Like it's nuts. Like, look at what this dude just did. He literally just set an American record in the 24 hour race, which, you know, ultra running has more and more notoriety. I mean, obviously not as much on that site, Um, but he's like, this was a phenomenal performance and there's literally nothing out here. People don't understand um, like what it takes to do a performance like this. And I thought that was just so funny that like literally there's just one eight message thread on this big running website that covers the most stupid things a lot of times that like gets so much attention and get a legitimate athletic performance like this got hardly nothing on there. I mean, I know that in a lot of other um, ways that like, you know, you've been on some other podcasts and I'm sure in other ultra running publications, but I think it's so funny how like in more of the mainstream running world, ultra running, especially like you know, the 24 hour and beyond, it's kind of a whole different sport than even like 50 milers and like 100 milers, I would say, where there's like this another leap of understanding of what that even is. Um, The guy even specifically pointed out and had like, uh, like had it listed out how crazy consistent you were. I think it was something like, I don't know, all but like a handful or two of laps were within this like very small um, time period of like 10 seconds or something. It's like almost all of your laps, like 98% or 99% were between like two minutes and 210 or something like that. Uh, and it was just crazy. And he was just blown away and he couldn't understand why nobody appreciated a performance like this, you know, just specifically on that side. But I just thought that was interesting, like the whole notoriety factor and how like Ultra running kind of just doesn't get acknowledged in certain ways, especially as you go up further in distance. I think people just don't understand what that means and like what that is. So I don't know if you have anything to say about that. But I just thought that was super interesting. Oh, I, I do. Because first of all, like I found that thread like within the day of the, the race finish uh, because I, like all runners, uh, keep our self-worth based on let's run threads about them. Uh <laughs> And I judge my abilities by how many trolls there are. And so I must not have done very well because I didn't attract very many of them. <laughs> yes. Um, but also to your point, like tw- like 24 hour running isn't very big. And like, should it be? Maybe it's, I don't know. It's interesting to a few of us, uh, but maybe not the masses. I don't know 
like it's hard to spectate. Uh, hopefully, I mean, like Aravipe is trying to change that with the the live commentating and live streams and trying to make it interesting. Like I'm hopefully trying to make it interesting by actually you know, performing in ways that make it exciting as much as it can be. But I do think it's hard to spectate a race that's 24 hours mm -hmm. and like you watch at the beginning and everyone's on great pace and then like most people aren't going to sit around for 24 hours, you know. Uh, you know, even taking out how short our attention span seems to be these days, like even compared to a sports event of a couple hours, like you're going to go to bed and you're going to wake up and lose half of the action because you don't know when mm -hmm. it's going to be in that 24 hour. And even if there is action, it's more in the aggregate looking back that it was interesting. You know, it's interesting to say, you know, yeah, 99% of my laps were between this range, uh, but you can't see that in real time. And so it's like, well, it's almost not worth watching to, you, know, you can't see that while you're watching in real time. Mm. And so like, it's hard to figure out how to make it interesting enough for the normal person. And maybe it just isn't that interesting. Uh, even if it's interesting to people who are into it and get excited about it and like you see it unfolding and like you don't know what's gonna happen. And so you do, like, it, it, you almost have to learn a different method of spectating to watch this and make it exciting. And then, like, even here, like, the end of the race, I think there were five people left out of 15 or 25 that were really moving. And this is an elite, you know, world-class field. Mm. Uh, and the end, you know, occasionally there's something exciting. Last year, you know, I got in a race with Ryan Montgomery, and we were sprinting against each other at the end. And that was exciting. Uh, but the, the exciting thing this time, I guess, was... Was I going to set the record? I mean, it was almost a foregone conclusion for uh, spectators, even if it wasn't for me out there. Mm. Uh, but there's still not that much uh, excitement. I think one of the only places it does really get exciting, especially at the end, is the World Championships, where you have that many people competing. And not only are they going for individual performances, they're like on teams. And a lot of times at the end, you know, first, second, third are only a small couple miles from each other. And so you see the teammates working together almost like you would a cross country team trying to get mm. places at the end of a race. And mm. so that's another place where like, if it was more popular and you can get bigger groups out there, you could bring in more dynamics like that. But uh, to that point, there's just not that much. And most of the races are a, a solo person going after a mark and no one near them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I, I definitely see both sides of it, how like it isn't as conducive as other sports to be like spectator friendly. And it's it's you have to really, I think, put in some creativity to figure out how do you make it more engaging for people? Because, yeah, no one's going to sit down and be like, all right, let me get my popcorn. Let me watch this guy run, you know, 99 percent of his laps between two minutes and 210 for 24 hours straight. It's like it's not that kind of sport. Um, and for me, I still find it fascinating and, and there's a part of me that's like, man, like this feels underappreciated, you know, like there's something to appreciate about this, I think, because at least for me, so the reason I really was drawn to ultra running was I saw it as a opportunity for me to test myself and, and push my limits and see what I'm made of, you know, physically, mentally spiritually even, um, it was an opportunity that doesn't exist in just daily life to really test one's limits and see how far you can really go. So I think it's, you know, I understand what it's at least a good amount of what it's taken you to get to the point to even be capable of, of setting a record like that. Um, and the many, many years of consistency in your training 
and and all of the experiments you've done and refinement of your training, of your diet, of your sleep, of just really every aspect of your mental game. Um, and that's probably the piece I'm most curious to hear about more as well is what is it like mentally? I mean, first and foremost, just to run an ultra and then and then how does that shift or how is that maybe different or, or taken to another level when you're running a 24 hour race and then even specifically running a 24 hour race for the best performance possible? Yeah. So so like what's going what's going on inside of you? I actually I want to connect the last thing we were talking about to this because I think it's going to relate, which is when we're talking about like watching the end of one of these, I actually think one of the things that can make it really exciting is that it can actually be relatable for a normal person when watching a world-class ultra runner, unlike most other sports, uh, in the sense that like my record was an average of 819 per mile. And most runners... Mm -hmm of most abilities could run an 819 mile. So like what I'm actually doing when you look at it isn't world class. It's not unrealistic. It's something that almost anyone could think like I understand how to run an 819 mile. It's not crazy. It's not superhuman. Um but then watching at the end and you say he's been running for 23 and a half hours <laughs> and he's still doing an 819 mile. It's like simultaneously something you can totally understand and something you have no way of understanding. Mm. And like the segue is that I think that's actually a lot of how I've grown through the sport is you can wrap your head around these you know pieces of these things without wrapping your head around the whole thing. And it somehow makes it seem a little more possible and a little more real and not completely beyond yourself. Like it might feel mostly beyond yourself, mm. uh, but you at least have something to anchor on and something to connect with uh, as you go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's another piece that that I'm just connecting right now and what you were talking about earlier about it being kind of this, you know, no, no one's going to sit and watch this for 24 hours straight. You don't have as much of that like crowd energy when you're doing it. And, and I found that like a lot of the ultra runners I've met, ultra runners in general, but even more specifically those who do these longer one, two, three day races, they have just like almost like no ego about them. Um, Cause you're not out there doing it for anyone else. Like you, you can't, like you, it doesn't even compute to to be doing that where maybe other sports it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I'm going to go out there to perform or to look good or, you know, or just like there's, you know, I'm doing it because I'm like, I'm getting all this energy from the crowd and there's this immediate feedback where when you're out there for 24 hours straight doing an 819 mile over and over and over again for however many laps that is, uh, hundreds of laps, um, it's really just you and you out there. Even if you are competing against others, like you have to have a certain level of just like humility and, and like you have to be doing it for some kind of like deeper reasons for yourself. So so with that, I'm curious, like what what drives you, like what motivates you or like what gives you the inspiration or energy to like continue to train for these types of events and, and to go out there and compete? And like what is your relationship 
um, with like your own desire to continue to get better at this kind of event. Yeah. Like early on, like I'd have to push it back to the same thing that got me into running in general, which is like, I don't know, you, you want to be on a, a high school team and like you get out there and your coach yells at you and like you want to run faster because like you want to run faster. You want to see how fast a time you can go. And also you want to support your team, but it's like mostly competition driven. And like I can remember in high school, I didn't really enjoy running like there were parts that were enjoyable, but the overarching process of it, like the training every day often didn't feel good. The racing definitely didn't feel good, except maybe when you finished and, you know, set a personal best. Uh, but there was a lot of pain involved and I just, you know, wasn't fit enough or something to get past all that such that like it was a lot of work and like not a lot of pleasure. And clearly in me saying that, like that was enough to satisfy me to keep doing it for four years. And like it wasn't that sustaining because like my freshman year of college, like my mileage dropped to almost nothing. Like I still considered myself a runner in my head, but I think I was probably doing five to 10 miles a week, which was not much. It's like two runs a week, maybe. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until the year after that, that I kind of started to find my own reasons to run again, like not for a team, not for, you know, I wouldn't say for a time, because I, at that point, part of the reason was still, I was competitive driven, wanted to see what I could do, what I could accomplish. Um, but more so, I started finding things that I enjoyed about running, meaning I started doing more trail running, mountain running. I started getting more into these ultras that you know, the, the way I describe it is it's a, a trail and a course that could take a week long backpack to see under normal circumstances. Mm. And you can see it in half a day. Mm. And like, that's always something that's connected with me. You know, we did Boy Scouts and would go backpacking and I've always loved the outdoors and nature and you know, connecting with that, disconnecting from our busy lives, all of that. And so once I combined running with that, uh, that was the first time I think I found something that like, I'm like, I want to do this, like all of this. I want to do all of this all of the time. Yeah. And that helped me a lot. And the other interesting thing is it started to help support the part of me that wanted to be competitive. And so I finally got over this fitness hump where I, I and I often tell people this, like when you start getting into running, there is a lot of enjoyment there. You just can't feel it among like the noise of all the pain in the process. And there's some threshold that can take months or longer, depending on the person, to get past. But all of a sudden, one day you wake up and realize, like, all the pain part has gone. And the only part that's left is, like, that joy, that runner's high, that enjoyment. And I think that was the first time I really had found that. And that was the key that was the start of, like, I think my real running career, where I wanted to run more because I was excited legitimately about it, not just making myself do it because of some external goal that I'd created for myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So from there, it's, I, I did find, like, I started having what looked like the start of competitive times. Uh, you know, I think I ran a 50 K that was pretty quick. I ran, like, I started doing these 50 mile runs from like my house or dorm room in Tempe to my parents' house and back. <laughs> uh, cause I figured out that was a 50 mile route and I could get water and food at halfway. Uh, and I, I did, I remember I did 50 miles in like 707 just by myself, which mm. is a reasonable time for a 50 mile. And so I started to see those signs. You know, I started to have better performances at trail races. 
I ended up running a, a pretty fast 100 mile time and then went and tackled the 24 hour. And like, I know at some point I'd heard about the 24 hour, like national team that went to this world 24 hour. And it didn't seem, it was one of those things kind of coming back to the point that like, when you actually look at the minutes per mile average, it seems possible on paper. Uh, Cause I know the first time I tried to make it was in 2008 and I looked at it and it's like, oh, to make this team, you have to run like 140 some miles, which is about 10 minutes per mile. And that was still my like young and naive and foolish years. I'm like, oh, I can totally do that. And I dropped at 50 miles that year. Like not even like I was like a third into the race and I dropped out. Uh, so clearly I wasn't at that level, but in my head, it seemed not impossible uh, for lack of experience at the time. <laughs> uh, but then in what it did was what it's what I've often done from then until now, which is it brought me back to reality. And I looked at it and I said, well, clearly I was not as prepared as I thought. And I worked hard and came back two years later, ran 136 miles uh, in through a combination of luck and otherwise uh, qualified for the, the U.S. team that year. Uh, it was I ran at the national championship and they used to take the top three would automatically get on the team. And I was the third place because you know, only two people ran further than me. And so 136 got me on the team. Uh, and then they canceled <laughs> the worlds, uh, which also has happened multiple times to me. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's like then I, I was forever then in my own head capable of making the U.S. team. And it only got harder after that. Uh, but, you know, from that point on, it's like, well, I, I have some level of competence that I can go after. And like it excites me. It sounds like cool, I guess. Mm. Uh, it, as much as a lot of it's driven by, there's just not that many people running these super long races, so it's not competitive in the traditional sense. Uh, it's more competitive in that it's hard to even put up any long distance at 24 hours, more so than you having to beat other people or not. Yeah, and would you say that the to do well in the 24 hour in, let's just say in general, I'm sure there's some some exceptions, but. In order to actually do well consistently at that kind of event, you kind of need to have like more of a running background under your belt and maybe like work your way up to that. Um, is that generally what you see? Or do people kind of just jump in there and, and do well just because they ran like, let's say, faster times in shorter races? It depends a bit. Uh you're going to need some kind of background or gain some kind of background. Like actually some of the best ultra runners are sometimes people that don't get into running until later in their lives. I actually think like age and experience for a number of reasons tends to be advantageous. It's not a rule, but it's a pattern. Aren't the, uh, the, the records in ultra running typically like higher age bracket, usually like even like into the forties. Yeah. Like they skew older and when all like shorter distances, you can't run like world-class times anymore, ultra runners can still. So mm -hmm. like you it, you can't, you can usually run a few anomalous cases, you know, early 20s have run world-class times. Mm -hmm. uh, physically, you're just as capable then, uh, but you seem to fade less hard. So like world-class marathoners really kind of, it's not past like 38 or 39, then you're definitely downhill and not capable of those times. and. So far, that hasn't shown to be the case for ultras, where you can be well into your 40s and still run just as good a time as someone in their 30s. Mm. Yeah. So 
where do you kind of see things headed from here for you? Um, is like the 24 hour something you want to continue focusing on and getting better at? Um, like what are your what are your aspirations or do you even know or is are you still kind of figuring out wow this thing just happened and like what's what's next oh my aspirations are done um that's that's, <laughs> that's not true uh but something that i've articulated since a month ago is that i just accomplished a goal that i never had <laughs> so like I never need another goal again in my whole life. You know, like if if you were to ask someone to set like their lifetime goal, like I just did something way beyond it, blew out any lifetime mm. goal I could have imagined. And so like, Whoa. where where do I go from there? Like I, I mean, one, one option is you jump on the hedonic treadmill where like nothing's ever good enough and you just always set a higher goal. But I've really been deliberate in doing the opposite, which is like appreciate what I have done and understand and like, be very satisfied with it uh, and very grateful that I was even able to accomplish what I did uh, and not worry about what's next for a while. And so mm. like, I'm really just sitting in that space right now where like, I know there will be other things that will come up. You know, I, I'm in the Hard Rock 100 in July and I will want to do well there. Uh, but for a bit, I, I, I don't worry about any of that. And mm. like, I don't know if I need any more lifetime goals because, uh, I tend to have to accomplish things that I, you know, hadn't yet realized were goals because I'm not too worried about it. You know, most of my big accomplishments weren't big things that I was trying to do for years and years. Um, other than like, there is an underlying, I want to always be improving. I always want to do better. I want to push myself as far as I can go mm -hmm. uh, because it's something I enjoy, but it's not usually anchored to specific things that may or may not occur. It's more directional. And that also lets it shift more. Like maybe I won't care about something forever. And so I don't need to get too stuck on it. Hmm. Yo, that's big. I just want to like pause for a moment and say what you just described is huge in my, in my book, in my eyes, in my experience. And actually it was just uh, a, a guest on a friend's podcast this morning. Um, I think it was in that conversation, or maybe it was a, a conversation I had yesterday, um, I was talking to a friend and I was like, I've actually like, like if I were to die today, like I'd be good. Like I'm happy and satisfied and have accomplished more than I thought I could in this life. Um, and that's a really good place to be where, you know, definitely I have a like a direction I'm headed and I have a lot of things that I'm creating right now, but I don't want to get caught in, I think you call it the the hedonic trap of, of, yeah, like it never being enough. And I just see so much of that happen in all areas of life with a lot of people where there's just, they're just going, going, going towards like what goal, towards what ends, towards what like, oh, once I get here, then I'll be happy or satisfied and that's just like a never-ending thing right where you you're satisfied for a moment even if you you know win the super bowl it's like you're satisfied for a moment but if that's all that you're living for is just to achieve that thing then what like your whole identity is built around this accomplishment and then once you achieve it who are you and like what do you do and and 
I don't know. I just I really appreciate the perspective you have of wanting to just like be deeply satisfied with what you've accomplished and just be okay with that. Like you're still open to growing and improving and achieving more things. But I just really want to emphasize like how much, I don't know, to me, that's just like a very mature approach to life of being able to be just fully, more and more fully satisfied in the moment. Yeah. And one of the other big things too is keeping, for me has been keeping in mind like the cost of that kind of pursuit, you know, like single-minded focus can be enviable. Uh, but a lot of times you don't understand all the stuff that happened behind it. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing, but knowing its place in the whole of your life for me is just as important, you know, like all the greats, like what relationships did they burn along the way? What other opportunities were they never able to pursue? Uh, you know, at what cost did it come to focus that much time, energy, and everything else along the way? And I know for me, it's been a multi-year pursuit to get to the level that let me accomplish this. And I know the things that it cost too, you know, starting it, you know, Laura and my wife and, you know, her support. And even just, you know, we can't have a nice night because I need to go to bed early and, you know, wake up to do six hours of running on the weekend when we, you know, would love to go spend time together and chill to my friends who like, I haven't seen very many of them in very long because I've been so focused again. So it's like, I don't have energy on the weekends. And if, even if I muster it, like I'm kind of half there half the time because I'm tired from something or I'm just, my mind is thinking about the next run, mm. uh, you know, to, you know, all these other little things, like it definitely comes at some cost and, you know, it was worth it for me, but it's not worth it to do that all the time forever or else I, I only become a part of a person that just runs these races and just tries to accomplish running accomplishments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love this conversation. And this is the kind of thing that I think about a lot as well. Cause I know that I've, for example, in, in, you know, growing this restaurant business really sacrificed a lot along the way. And over the last few years, I've realized like, oh, it's actually like not worth it to, I think it, there's, there's to a degree of value in really dedicating yourself to something. And I think that my dedication to that business, really getting it off the ground, there was many times where I thought, oh, this is it. Like the business is going to fail. It's going to die. Like I can't do this anymore. And it really did need me to dedicate myself in a deep way and sacrifice in a lot of ways in order to get it to a point of like where it's coming recently. Um, but I, at some point I decided this is not, I'm not willing to sacrifice this much for much longer. And there's other aspects of myself and my life that are um, really taking a big hit in order for me to pursue this goal uh, being so hyper-focused on it. And that's why over the last few years, I've been really kind of working myself out of the hole that I feel like I put myself in um, because I just realized I think there's my actual biggest goals in life actually relate more to how do I create like holistic fulfillment for myself? And, and how do I actually create a life that I truly enjoy living 
rather than I felt like I was living from a lot of voices of other people who were like, oh, like this is what success is. Like this is, you know, what is a worthwhile, meaningful endeavor for you to like put yourself into. And this is the way that you should do it. And I really had to take some big steps back and evaluate, like, is this actually fulfilling me? Is this actually getting me to a place where I want to go? How much longer am I willing to make certain sacrifices? Um, And how is that affecting, yeah, like other relationships I have, other interests I have, other desires that I have? Because there's only a limited time each day to do things, you know, we only, only... the great equalizer we all have 24 hours in a day which is you know also another fascinating part of the 24-hour run um yeah so um i just really uh, appreciate that you have like such an awareness around that and also it's really refreshing to hear you be like i don't know what's next you know and i'm not in a huge rush to to figure it out um i just feel like we live in such a hyper masculine world and and so uh, heavy on this like kind of strange to me now work culture where we work ourselves into the ground and you know for what for what ends is this actually getting us to where we want to go and, and is, is our over time over the years is this actually improving the lifestyle that we're experiencing is it improving our human experience or is it not and sometimes I like to look at things like very binary like that of like is my life experience improving over time or is it not? And if it's not, then maybe where I'm putting my focus and my attention on my endeavors is misplaced in some way or isn't totally, you know, actually fulfilling and meaningful to me. Um, Because at the end of the day, right, like running a a record is still at the end of the day, just a number. If you want to look at it from one perspective, right? It's just a number like, you know, and there's, there's a lot of meaning that can be behind that as well. And there's so much that came into it. But at the end of the day, also, it's like, okay, that's a number. And that makes me really think about, and I'm curious to hear more of your experience of like, you know, okay, in, in the pursuit of reaching that number, like you're saying, what did you sacrifice along the way? And, and did you enjoy the journey? Do you actually enjoy the journey? And I just, I feel like your answer is yes. Like, I feel like your answer is it was worth it. I would love to hear for you, but I feel like for a lot of people, their answer is no, it, it's not worth it or there's only so much worth it in the sacrifices that people make in order to try and achieve certain goals. Yeah, and I think actually my answer is going to be much more interesting than that, hopefully. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, you tell, uh, well, tell me I how mean, it is. Because the short answer is like, yes, it was worth it for me. Um, but the long answer is like, that enjoying it along the way is the thing that made it happen and that it wouldn't have happened had I done it in a different way that I didn't enjoy as much as I did. And Mm. I'm like, you could throw around like a high level, like you've got to love what you do or else you're not going to do it. But I mean this on a, a more specific level that I didn't like, didn't actually fully understand until after I had finished the race and could reflect on everything that had happened in the last year. And like a year ago, uh, like the the sort of how I decided, like, I'm going to give this a go because it was just I did Desert Solstice a year before and had this monumental blow up and was theoretically on pace for 167 miles, 19 hours in. 
and then just totally bombed out, like stopped running for almost an hour straight uh, and then ran the same distance that was my PR from before. So it was 155. So like maybe was on pace for 12 hour, uh, twelve miles more, but most likely not because I just like five hours to go is like, that's like a critical, that is the critical five hours. Like the first 19 almost doesn't matter in a sense. That's like uh, hitting the marathon wall, but yeah, in the 24 hour. Yeah. Like, like you can't hold on for five hours if things go wrong. So like, that's the only part that matters. Everyone else could delude themselves up to that point or something. Mm. Uh, but it still got it stuck in my head. Like, well, what if I could run 167? And what if I fixed all the things that I caused me to blow up the last five hours? And then what if I trained harder and got up to 170 and then suddenly like 170, like you're right next to this 172 and a half, which is the record. And then like, it was like, that was the start of the thought process, which is like, is this completely insane? Uh, like, do I have any business with this? And like, I'm more analytical than almost anyone in terms of analyzing and understanding 24 hour performances. And every time I looked, it was like, no, this is like, that's almost ridiculous, Nick. Like you do not have what it takes uh, and I still think I was completely accurate. You know, I was looking a year ago that I was way off. I thought I was probably at 164 in terms of ability. And mm. that itself would be a huge jump over anything I'd ever done. And like the jump from 155 in 2018 to maybe 164 fitness two years later, you know, that's nine miles in two years improvement. And now I'm looking at making the same improvement in another year, except you should expect diminishing returns, especially for someone that's. 15 years into their career. Mm. You know, if I was early in my career, maybe I still have a lot of big jumps, but it's like I'd already optimized year after year, especially since 2017. Every year I've been optimizing more and more. Like I have no low hanging fruit left, so to speak. Mm. And so looking at this, even though I'm like, I can't stop thinking about this, I also was completely realistic. And I think like I've heard that this is one of like the key things in like good leaders or like good visionaries is like in the long term, you're optimistic, like you see where you want to be and like nothing wavers you from knowing that you're going to get there. But in the short term, you're completely realistic that you don't kid yourself in the slightest about how just how difficult it is to get from where you're at today to that place you want to get to. And I think that categorizes how I ended up getting there was like basically every day for a year, every time I was looking at it, thinking about it, doing things day in, day out. I'm like, I'm not doing enough. And I'd have to keep finding more ways to do more things. And mm. so in the process, like it was a lot of hard, tough work. It's like looking, looking at all these different dynamics, everything from like the physical, like my quads blew up. They can't handle 24 hours. How can I get them stronger? How like you can't run 24 hours regularly to simulate and see if it's working. How can I do the right things to train it and have confidence without really having confidence? What are the other muscles that once my quads don't blow up, something else will. It turns out my hamstrings would have, mm. but I was able to figure that out and work on it. And then I kept doing that. And then, you know, I, I jumped into like the mental psychological side. I met with a sports psychologist. I just started reading all kinds of books. And then I started experimenting with races. I'd like contrive situations, whether accidentally or on purpose to try to tease out those different situations that I knew would happen later in 24 hour races. And I would run into the emotional states and the like physical duress that I expected to be in. And I knew what it felt like. So once I got there, I could see if what I was doing was working. Mm. But I, I had to employ a lot of tactics. And originally, I actually, I thought it was going to be getting tougher. You know, I thought my problem was, because this is like, 
uh, admittedly, I am like the worst when it comes to what I call the pain cave or what most people would call the pain cave. Like when you mm-hmm. get in that real tough spot and everything hurts and you just want to stop, I kind of just stop, uh, which like, I don't know, like it feels weird to say that as someone who can accomplish these things, but like I've watched world-class athletes and they're like, their leg could be broken and they would still be hammering with mm. like a, a limp leg or something, you know, versus me, like once I get into a bad state, like whether it's physical or just mental, like it could just be like a dark place. Uh, I tend to start giving up. And that was one of the things I had to work through, but like everything I read and then the more I played with it, the answer wasn't to get better at existing in that spot. It was find ways to get myself back to a good place or just always stay in a good place, Mm. which like on the surface, I would actually think like that's a recipe for failure. Like how could you possibly do that? Especially like 24 hours, something is going to go wrong. There's like, I would be the first to say that's impossible. Um, But the more that I read, the more that that's how I approached it. And so this is where the interesting stuff starts happening is I, I talked before about how like the competitive side of me didn't care about the joy of running, but cared about accomplishments. And then this other side that like let me sustain running was like the enjoyment of it and being out there and loving it and, you know, wanting to do more and more. What I've realized is I was converging those two, especially in like, it's been happening over time, but this last year it's been more and more because uh, I do love to run races and I love to push myself and see what I can do. But I this year, most of my races, barring a couple were like I pushed myself into the hole kind of on purpose. Mm. Like I just loved every minute out there. And I've been doing all this stuff with like negative splitting so that I can finish the race faster than ever before. And that does a bunch of really interesting things for me between it it makes it way easier to stay in a positive place the whole time because I'm not wearing myself out and I'm having a bunch left at the end and I get to go faster and faster at the end. Like mm. it feels really good. Uh, Just for those who don't know, negative splitting is, is running the second half of the race like faster than the first half of the race or like very evenly split, I think is generally what you shoot for. Yeah, which basically no one does at these longer ultra running races. Like everyone assumes you're gonna get tired, you're gonna slow down, which is a reasonable assumption. Uh, but I've been essentially trying to show that that's not true, that you can start just a little bit slower than you would and then get faster and faster the second half until the finish and just be flying at the finish. And mm. yeah, you get all this like rush of like adrenaline and satisfaction and just like joy. Again, it goes back to like this runner's high, but it's in this weird way where it, it's almost the comment I made about 23 and a half hours in and your mind is blown when you think about it, except it's you doing it. like how can I be running faster than ever before? And like, I mean, I feel like I, you know, I I still feel like I've run however far the distance is, but actually less than you'd expect. And Mm -hmm. uh, you feel the the flip side, which is you just feel like powerful in like the sense of like the human being and what a human being can accomplish, except you're that human being. Mm -hmm. And so like race after race this year, I just kept running these races where I felt awesome at the end. You know, I ran a hundred miles in 13 hours and 20 minutes is like an eight minute pace in June. And I was closing the last couple of miles at like six minutes and the last mile or two was sub six, wow. uh, like just sprinting basically relative to that distance. And so I was building what turns out to be essentially muscle memory for feeling like giddiness at the end of an ultra, like 
like it's like a kid in a candy store. You're like your eyes just like light up and you like can't contain how much joy you feel. And so like I was doing that to try to like do better at negative splitting and preserve myself through training so I could, you know, not have to taper and recover, but I could roll through it. Like the goals that caused me to take that approach were not related to this, but it turns out I was just doing repetitions like anything over and over again of getting excited late in a race when I was supposed to be tired and everyone else doing that, they get muscle memory of expecting to feel like garbage. And so at the 24 hours, like I assumed the last eight hours would like, that would be where I had to pull out all the stops and be ready to suffer and have, you know, music with pumping hard rock and all this stuff. And I didn't touch most of the stuff that I had prepared for the last eight hours because I felt the smoothest and best the last eight hours. Like even though underlying it is like, I could blow up at any time. The 24 hours, a crazy race. Like it takes people down very quickly. Like anything could go wrong. Mm. I had to trust that it wasn't going to. And then beyond that, like all the other thing I kept thinking is like, I have multiple gears more than what I'm using here. You know, I was running hmm. eight minute pace for a lot of the laps. Like those were my fastest laps were the last eight hours. And then at the very end, I ran like six minute pace uh, once I was getting the record until the finish uh, because I had saved it up because I, I didn't want to jump the gun and get cocky and say, oh, I'm feeling good. I can go for it. And then I fall off an hour to go or I fall off 20 minutes to go because the buffer was so short. I only got the record with three minutes left on the clock. Wow. And so I didn't want to take for granted that anything could go wrong. But at the same time, like I felt like hours out, I could have started a speed up. Hmm. And what I realized is I had like completely created like no alternative reality than late in races, I feel good. I feel smooth, I feel excited. And hmm. like all of those emotions stirred up all the same, even in a race much farther than what I practiced at. And like, I think that was one of the biggest actual keys to my success is how much I'd reinforced like that positive thing. And clearly there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into that. It doesn't, that's like not the only piece. It's not, you know, it's sure. one of many, but I think that was one of the key ones. And hmm. you know, coming back to what you were talking about, in life, I think it's the same thing is you can't expect like you set this big goal at the end of some time period and you work hard to get there, but you're miserable getting there. And then once you get there, you're going to be magically satisfied and succeed at it. Like what's more likely to make you overall a better person is figuring out how to enjoy the work along the way. And yeah, you shouldn't necessarily like enjoy every piece, every moment. Like I think a lot of what gives us like richness in life is that things are hard and you have to work at things and there's some piece of suffering and a lot of things, but it can't be like all suffering or it can't be that the best parts are the worst parts, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like you want things along the way to be enjoyable. And if they're not, you should be trying to find ways to make them enjoyable because it'll not just like make it easier along the way and make the whole journey worthwhile, but it'll probably actually help you getting to a better place with whatever your end goal is. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. I, my, my experience of ultra running is that it's, it's kind of like it, it takes life and it just like shrinks it down into this experience that's just like concentrated. 
And so I just, I really love just how you described all of that. I find it extremely fascinating that your approach is so, there's something that's fundamentally different about the approach that I hear you describe. And maybe I haven't done as much research and I'm not as in tune with other ultra runners and what they're doing today, but I just, the approach that you describe does seem fundamentally different than how a lot of just athletes in general view their sport or just even how a lot of ultra runners that I've heard of view their sport. Um, and, and I think there's something really interesting about the whole piece around you feeling good, like almost feeling your best at the end of the race, maybe physically, right? You're tired, but like you feel perhaps almost better at the end of the race than when you started, which is really opposite, I think, of how most people experience a race and, and go at a race. Um, honestly, I'm relating in this moment to, uh, to Freak Bros and how I, one of my key uh, KPIs in, in that business is, are my staff feeling better at the end of their shift than when they came in? Maybe physically they're a little more tired, right? Maybe they really, you know, put in some work, making some pizzas. and um, But are they feeling better by the time they leave? And do they actually have more energy overall to go and do whatever they're about to go do next? And I just see some kind of parallel there where it's, it's a different mindset than how I see a lot of restaurants run or the experience that I've even had working, um, let's say, for example, at Chipotle. Um, or just how a lot of work is viewed, where work is typically this thing that drains us and that we feel like by the end, we're just like a lot of people can't wait to be done with it and just like get on to the next thing, which they maybe just don't even have as much energy to do. Um, so I just find it really interesting that you've kind of taken that type of concept and applied it to running a 24-hour race which is not something I think most people would typically think is like, oh, I'm gonna go out here to enjoy running for 24 hours straight at a competitive pace that is pushing my body to its limit. I think there's a really interesting sweet spot that you found um, that is just even just like philosophically fascinating for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it also like makes me curious like, what else is possible? Like what other approaches are people just not even considering? Um, you know, in this case, it's about running. And it's interesting that, that your approach is very deeply rooted in your own pleasure and enjoyment of your sport. And not to say that you probably aren't pushing yourself most days to a certain degree of limit and, and there isn't some type of challenge or, or effort being put forth, because I'm sure there's a lot of that. Um, I don't know, do you experience a lot of pain in your daily running or like what is your daily experience of, of your training process? Is it similar to what you kind of just described about your race where you, are you kind of just in that flow state during a lot of your training runs or like what is, what is that piece of your experience like? Yeah, the daily, it's kind of all over the place, but I try to figure out which places matter in terms of being in what kind of states. So I try to make most of my running quite enjoyable, not particularly painful. There are exceptions, meaning like a speed work day where I'm sprinting certain paces, like 
that goes back to like there is some high that comes from running really fast, but there's also like I can barely breathe and my muscles are screaming at me because I'm trying to push, you know, so my body responds and gets stronger, uh, the edge of what I'm capable of. So there's days like that or really long days. They can get long uh, in training. And then some days that I'm just bored, uh, you know, spending a lot of time out there running 100 to 150 miles a week. Uh, there are days that I'm just not that into it. But I want, on average, you know, 70 or 80% of my miles to really be enjoyable and be having a good time out there and be doing things I like. Um, but then there's also components outside that where I think I'd more describe like the difficulty being, which is the boring stuff. Like, oh, I have to wake up every morning and scrape because, you know, I know my calf gets tight and that will cause an injury. And so I just have to dig into it with these metal tools. And like, I don't want to do this. Like it's no direct benefit to me other than the outcome of I don't get hurt, but I need to do that. And then my coach, you know, needs me to bike. And, you know, I jump on a spin bike because I don't bike enough to know how to safely be out on the roads with traffic and I get hit by a car. Like, you know, uh, and so I, I bought a spin bike and the spin bike's miserable for me. Like I'm not into cycling to begin with. And then a spin bike is just sitting in a room that gets stuffy, you know, and I just have a little fan blowing on me. Uh, but again, that's like the work that I need to go do to get where I want to be. So, uh, but I also think that that helps, you know, even like Lauren and I joke about her training that, you know, like her best training cycle sometimes like pretty reliably have one run where she ends up crying on a rock in the middle of it. And by the time she gets to the race, all she can think late in the race is, well, it's not as bad as that training run, <laughs> you know, like some of this stuff, it's like a combination of like discipline and perspective. Like it's not, like, I don't expect everything to be enjoyable. Uh, and so some of that is probably healthy and acceptable. It's just, I do, do think it matters which pieces it are, you know, they are. And I just, I do my best to figure out which ones should be harder and which ones should be enjoyable. And like, like I said, the running itself, like I do love running. I don't want running to be something that becomes what I hate because it's miserable too often. I'd rather that mm. be the thing that I keep enjoying and want to keep look for, looking forward to. And then I can do the rest of the stuff that doesn't need to be so rosy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear in that is, you know what you love most and and you know what's going to support you to be able to sustain doing the thing that you most love so you're willing to endure certain other things that maybe you don't enjoy as much because you know it's like serving this bigger purpose of allowing you to enjoy what you most love more and and more consistently and for the long run um yeah i think that's also a beautiful analogy for life where uh, maybe it's like a lot of people just aren't actually doing what they most enjoy in general. So that makes everything feel less worthwhile and harder to do. But if at least the core of what you're doing you enjoy and the core of what you're doing is something you love and and want to continue improving and getting better at, and, and I really resonate with what you were talking about of just like wanting to improve and almost like the joy of just getting a little bit better over time and you kind of add that up over years you can actually get really good at something um, but just enjoying that process um, if you if the core of it is is in alignment let's call it with you know what your soul desires with what your body resonates with with what you actually want to be doing i think it makes it a little easier to do those other things that maybe you don't enjoy as much um, yeah that's really cool 
Sweet. Well, um, man, I love diving into this. I love that um, we can talk about something like running, but also just like get deeper into, you know, what's really underneath that and what's behind that. That's like one of my biggest joys is really, and one of the things that has most drawn me to running, which I'm finally back into regularly now, been doing that daily for, oh God, like almost two months now, which is That's awesome. great. Um, thanks for the running shoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, what, and, and what originally drew me into ultra running as we were talking about earlier of, you know, there's this opportunity to learn more about yourself uh, it's like kind of like an analogy to the bigger life and and everything that goes into training and like being in a race. Uh, it's just a huge reflection on just a lot of other experiences that we get to have in life. And I just really admire and respect and appreciate your approach to all of it. Um, I think you're, may I say, like bold to be so adamant that, that you knew that there was something there for you in your approach, even though you didn't really have that validation from a lot of other people, you decided to try something different because that's what felt right for you. And I just have so much respect for your ability to listen to yourself and your own truth and, and to really just continue leaning deeper into your experience. And it's cool to see that it's kind of like come full circle out the other side of, of truly empowering you and, and, and enabling you to have an incredible performance that is respectable by any standard. Um, and you did it through, in my eyes, a completely different way than I see most people approach something like that. So I'm really inspired and uh, excited to see, you know, wherever you go from here and however many more times you get to surprise yourself with uh, what you accomplish and just, you know, excited for wherever you choose to, to go next with this. And um, yeah, thanks so much for just sharing your experience and your wisdom and uh, yeah, for just like bringing a really positive, inspiring perspective to things. Uh, yeah, I just really, really value that a lot. Yeah, glad to come on here and talk about it. It's always great with you. Heck yeah. Cool. Well, um, yeah, if you guys want to follow Nick, um, when's, where's the best way to find you? Do you post on social medias? Uh, only as much as I have to. I, I, I mostly try to stay off it, but I, I do try to share enough because I know people like to follow what I'm doing. So uh, Nick Curry runs on what Instagram, Facebook, I guess, uh, nickcurryruns.com if you're, you're into ultra running itself. Uh, I've started posting some of the more like technical like philosophies I'm trying to develop on this negative splitting and other things hopefully in the future. Cool. Well, excited to watch that whole negative splitting project progress and, and see more people jump on board and, and experiment and try things out. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. It was fun. Yeah.